Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. Welcome to the Removing Confusion Podcast. This is Tom Richardson, your host. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. It's and August. saw that the wickedness of man was Sorry. great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay, it's August 10th, 2021. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to try to stay within the boundaries of the Bible. We talk a lot about the things that are going on in the world today, and I think the people are interested. I'll say this, our numbers have gone up a little bit, so that's that's refreshing to me. More than one small country. <laughs> it is a big idea. Yes, it is. A big idea. A new world order, he says. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm going to talk about what we call the last days. I, I, we talk about that a lot here as well because it's important. We're in them. As a matter of fact, if you do serious Bible reading and studying, you'll see that over and over again, and we'll see this as we look at it today, those who wrote the Bible, that I'm talking about the New Testament. We're going to stay within the boundaries of the New Testament today. We'll see that those men who wrote by Holy Spirit inspiration, the epistles, the gospels, knew at the time that they were alive that they were in the last days. Now, to to, to uh, make that a little bit easier to understand or make it plainer to people maybe haven't heard this before because you always hear, well, this is the last days. Look what's happening, earthquakes and tornadoes and whatnot. This is true. We are in the last of the last days, and we'll look at something that Paul wrote here in a minute. But all the way through, from the time that Christ ascended to heaven at the Mount of Olives, and his disciples stood there and watched, they considered the last days started ticking down. Because the entire Bible deals with the second coming of Christ. Uh, there's a lot, I forget 
what, 500 verses or whatever. Uh, I didn't sit and count them, and, and I've heard different numbers. So just bear in mind, three to 500 verses to, in the Bible that talk, or prophecies, I should say, that talk about Christ's first coming, and there's like 10 times that many, 2,500 or so, that speak of the second coming of Christ, the last days, events, and what will lead up to his return. Now, I know from what we've been doing lately here on this, on this podcast, this is maybe a, a, a swerve back into that lane that I like to be in. I don't really like talking about COVID, and I don't like talking about wars and all the other things, except when they do mesh and, and marry up and meet within the boundaries of the last day. I use that word boundaries too often. I'm going to stop that. Let's, let's look at something. We're going to look at some scripture, a lot of scripture today. Not, not enough to overwhelm you, but you know, you know how to, you know how to get to it. Just stop for a minute and turn to the page or use your iPhone or whatever you use. I'm not promoting iPhones, just phone period. If you have one of those smart deals, first Peter chapter four, we're going to start there. Now, why, why start in first Peter? Doesn't seem like a lot of Big-time prophecy going on in Peter. Well, there is lots of prophecy. There's lots of things. You know, Peter said in the last days there would be scoffers running about saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know, we've heard since our fathers fell asleep, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of people saying that. There's lots of people when you say Christ, Jesus Christ, is soon to return, they roll their eyes at you. You don't know what you're talking about. We've been hearing about that, blah, 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 all forever. It's been going on since my my mother told me about that, my grandmother, and that's 50, 60 years ago, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I didn't hear that much about it 50 years ago. When I first kind of got to my cognizant abilities to understand things, nobody, you know, I was about 10, though, but, you know, it was 10 to 30. 20, you know, very little talk about Christ coming. There was the songs and the movies that came out, you know, the talked about the beast and talked about, uh, you know, the rapture and all those kind of things that, that kind of promoted something that, you know, you have to come to your own conclusions on. Do you want to fall into that whole, you know, the way movies portray Bible are not always true. Okay. You're at First uh, Peter chapter four and verse seven, where where we're going to read here, verse seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. I uh, heard a message and just just recent message, a very good one, um, where the guy started. He used about four or five more verses here, and for brevity of our time, you know, I think you get the idea where I'm coming from. We are to remain sober-minded and in prayer. The end times are upon us. That's what he says, right? But the end of all things is at hand. Now, he wrote this back in probably 60 or so A.D. This is 2021. If the end of all things was at hand in Peter's day, how much more so than now? I mean, come on. 
we have trudged through 2,000 years almost of history from that point to this. I think we need to have our eyes wide open to what's going on around us. Now, let's talk about this just a little bit, being sober-minded. You know, don't don't fall into the folly that you can, you know, be drunk on anything. Uh, every once in a while, I have to take a pill, and you only take a half of them, uh, of something for extreme bad back problems, but they mess up my head. I don't like them, so I do not use them very often. Very seldom, actually. And I'm only telling you that because he's saying be sober-minded. And I know that when these things happen, when you when you fall into the trap of drinking or taking pills or smoking dope, you're not sober-minded. I'm going to tell you another thing. Just wash all that away. Take that to the Narcoholics Anonymous meeting and just go with this. And I'm not knocking. Well, I actually am. I don't really believe in all that junk. A A N A B A C A D A whatever I don't it doesn't work. It's a, a bunch of folks that sit around and they talk about their problems. It's very droll. Some people live for it, but anyway, I don't. My opinion, and I, I we there's good teaching by a lot of good guys that are past. Dave Hunt did a real good twelve step expose. Fear, fear is the, the, the dope of the day. And I'm, I'm using some vernacular that, uh, okay, whatever. But it is the dope of the day. What, do you, what, what gets people going now is fear. They watch the news because it feeds their fear. Fear can be just, it opens up your mind and dr- dumps a bunch of dopamine. That's a, 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 uh, <laughs> enzyme in your body that gets released and it's it gives a a momentary drunkenness and a, a, a euphoria let me tell you something let's just talk about that for a while what happens when you get scared i mean really scared not not the not the bad movie horror flick scared or whatever or even the the roller coaster where there's a semblance of you're going to walk away from it. But I'm talking about true fear. Death-defying fear. Peter says also that our adversary, the, the devil, walketh around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. You run into a lion, you're not going to you know, out in the wild. You're not going to be just standing there saying, I rebuke you. You're going to get scared. What happens when that happens? When you, when you really, you know, and we all can relate to this. At some point in your life, somewhere, you have been afraid. You have been pushed to the point of these things happening. Because it's very serious. It has an effect on you, on your body. Your blood pressure goes up. Blood from your extremities is forced inter, in, internally into that trunk of your body. Your body starts to use that blood in a places where it needs it the most. It's like when you get shot, you know, it pulls blood from where it needs to. And it knows how to do these things. But, you know, you're, you, so you internalize the, 
your heart rate is going to ex- just go right up. Your vision becomes focused on the problem, on the on the uh, threat. I mean, you go, you we call it tunnel vision. In all the law enforcement training out there, they try to tell police officers don't become too tunnel vision, but you do. You can't help it. It's, it's human nature. When a threat of your life is presented right in front of you, you know, I mean, you, you come down, if you pulled your gun out, you have come down to where your focus is on the front side of your weapon and that guy's chest. That's the only thing you see. You're not seeing everything off to your periphery which means off to the sides, you know, you're not seeing the, the blinking signs, you know, that say, you know, whatever, or the billboards or the people standing along the side, taking your picture with their iPhones. You see the threat in front of you, period. So you become really focused on that. Fear has that, that ability to almost cause us to be intoxicated the dumping of those enzymes and hormones into your body that cause you to become numb. I had a guy make me so mad when I was younger. Now, these things, I'm talking really young, and we don't need to go into the the full scope of it, but he became so belligerent to me and so, I mean, it was like evil, you know, just trying to pick something. And we, we were close to blows. I mean, we're, we came that, it was like that, you know, I had to walk away. But my head was numb. He could have hit me. I don't think I'd have felt it. But I was afraid if I started on him, I wouldn't stop. I mean, it would have been, it would have been a bad one. Now, that can happen. You become numb to the pain that's going to be inflicted upon you. That's why you see these guys, they'll punch somebody. You, know, you punch somebody, it always hurts. It hurts your hand, you know. <laughs> You're going to feel it. You could break fingers or knuckles, you know. But you don't feel it when you're doing it. It happens afterwards. They shake their hand and they look for the ice bag. You're not looking for that during the fight. It's afterwards because you've become numb. Becoming a fight-or-flight syndrome. Now, if it's six against one, yeah, you're usually looking for an exit. But sometimes you just have to go for it, wade right into the fight. Now, why are we talking about this? Because fear does this to us. It can, it, it, first, you get so, you, get, you sweat too, you know, you're perspiring, you know, and it could be cold and you're still perspiring. And you're, you're really worried about what's going to happen, you know, you, you you become so focused on that problem. And in this day and age, we know there's many problems that have become our focus. Every variant coming out of, I'm not talking about COVID much, but i got to say, this the variants are being thrown around, Lambda and uh, Delta and Epsilon, and you know, it goes on and on, folks. They want you to live in a constant state of fear, so you take their vaccines, their shots, their death nail. So the fear, it controls you. And once you have been pushed into that state of fear, you're susceptible to 
all kinds of suggestion to, to get out of it, to get away, to leave it behind. You, you know, you might not be even faced with the, the faced with the fear right in front of you. It could be, you know, somebody told you, hey, uh, so-and-so is coming to get you. You know, you better watch out. He's on his way. And you're like, oh, man, where, what do I do? Where do I go? Well, you can go this way. He's not. He's coming from the east. You better go west. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, so it's fight or flight. Can the fear of the Lord... Can the fear of the Lord, as we read over and over, the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is this. The fear of the Lord, it's usually does have something to do with wisdom. You know, the fear of the Lord is 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 someone who's standing in the right frame with the Lord. Can that fear of the Lord also, which, you know, fear being mostly negative, can the Lord... And his the fear that we have of him be turned into a positive. Well, if you think about standing in front of which you are at almost all times when you really think about it, and I need to I need to get this in my heart as well that you're standing in the presence of the Creator of the universe. You have taken upon you if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you've said. Uh, your repentance prayer and you've turned yourself away from the things of the old life and you've turned to the new, but yet the old still creeps up and comes after you. God is watching. He's always there. He doesn't miss a trick. You may think you're getting away with something when you do those things that you shouldn't. Like Paul says, I do the things I shouldn't. I wish I'd, you know, That verse always kills because it twists and turns. But he's basically saying, why do I do the things I don't want to do? I want to be a vessel for God. I want to show him that I'm worthy of his son's blood. But yet I do the things I don't, I know I should not do. So again, the vision, fear of the Lord, your vision, you don't necessarily need to have your heart rate fluttering like crazy but i believe if you were standing in the presence of god where you could actually see the throne of god there would be some fear i believe one day we will have that i mean i honestly believe that we we even as christians have to face a judgment a judgment of what we've done in the body a judgment of what we've done for christ and none of us have done enough i don't care who you are you haven't done enough. I've never, I can't even, I've not even come close. But I try. I, I do the best I can. But your your focus, get that fear of the Lord in your head, not that negative fear of I'm going to die, but the fear of the Lord that focuses your attention towards him. Because he is there. He's watching. You can be focused so intensely on God. If you let that fear of the Lord, that real reverential and even fear, fear of God, get your focus. Get your heart beating intensely or intently at the thought of his coming. It could happen. 
at any time, right? That's what they tell us. We don't know when it'll happen. But we need to live each day as if he is coming. The world will take us and our minds off of the real hope of his appearing. That's a very deeply profound kind of a thing. You know, the world doesn't want you to think. The world in a system, the system of the Joe Bidens of this world. They don't want you or even, you know, take it to another level. There are certain pastors out there, said and that's in scare quotes, that don't want you to think about the coming of the Lord. They want you to think about filling every pew in a church so their pockets get bigger with money. I know that struck a chord probably where people didn't want it struck. Let's look at another piece of scripture real quickly. It's second or yeah, second Timothy chapter three. I've used this one and the prophecy guys use it all the time. All the time. It's but it has a reason when you when you think of it. Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. We're going to start right off the bat in verse 1, and we don't really need to go any further. But know this also, that in the, what? Last days, perilous times shall come. It just means dangerous. Can things get much more dangerous? Yeah, they probably can. But would you want to go and hang out in South Chicago or anywhere in New York anymore where once it was safe? I've been to New York a lot of times. I've walked Manhattan. I've been on uh, uh, down Times Square. And, you know, even around the corner where it gets a little shady, me and my buddy, but we were packing heat. You know, we were, we were law enforcement, so we had a gun. But, you know, you still, you can get surrounded, and you only have so many projectiles to use. But, you know what I'm saying? You know, you felt safe even even without the weaponry. You could walk around and feel safe. Now you don't. I mean, there's it's it's getting back to the old days of the 80s before Rudy came along and straightened things up. He let the cops do their job. Perilous times shall come in the last days. Perilous times shall come. Get that burned into your memory. Verse 5 of that, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There are so many who deny the power of God. Oh, they'll talk real good about it. They'll get up there and wax eloquent about the, the power of God, and God did this, and God did that. They don't say God does this. They say God did that. It's disturbing to me. Let's just use uh, a real quick, you've heard on this podcast, me use those verses many times where like Matthew 24, Jesus starts right out, verse 3, I believe. Take heed that no man deceive you. What's he saying? Be careful. Be sober and be vigilant. Those words are all over the New Testament, the epistles, the gospels. You know, like I say, Peter said, be sober. Be vigilant. 
your devil, your 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 enemy, the devil, walketh around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he meant devour in one bite. It wasn't like lions actually go where they pried up and the women kind of do all the work, right? The lionesses do the hunting. And then the king comes in and eats, right? No, this is a lion on his own who just gulps his food in one bite. He takes you down. You have to be ready. You have to be willing to to keep your eyes open and stay alert. (coughs) It's like, I don't like talking about myself, but I'll say this. As a prison guard... You didn't just, and there were people I know that I worked with that did this. They just walked around like nothing was, you know, oh, hey, what's up? I didn't, and a lot of the good correctional officers did not. They they kept their eyes open all the time. They watched everything because if you didn't, they gamed you or they could kill you. you know, you're not really the the most liked guy and you're wearing a uniform that sets you apart from the inmate population. Now, most of these guys, they, they're not out for anything. They're just doing their time, but you step on their toes enough and they come after you because they got nothing to lose. You got life to do. You know, your life is life. What are you going to do? Take life from me. You can't just walk around not being a little bit careful. You, be, you, you need to be, as they say, in the red zone. You get into the white zone. That's the zone of, oh, you know, everything's fine. I don't need to worry about nothing. You know, I'm, I'm not. Red is where you're, you're vigilant. You're ready. I mean, and it's wearing. It tears you up a little bit. You know, you, once, once you lock yourself into a safe space, you know, you can sit down for a minute, take a breath, and get some AC, and then back to it. But you got to stay ready, careful, sober-minded, vigilant. And I know a lot of guys that didn't. They just walked around like, you know, I got the uniform. Nobody's going to do anything to me until they did. I know guys that lost their lives working in those places. That's enough of that. Be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry. You know, don't get all fretted up about every little thing. Oh, how's this going to look for me? How am I going to look, you know, blah, 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 if I'm late to this or if I don't say that or if I miss this thing or whatever. You know, you, we get caught up in that. That's anxiousness. That's worrying about things that are so trivial they mean nothing to the kingdom of God. So we need to be anxious for nothing. Take heed, be steadfast, take heed. Again, that's that one that Jesus, take heed that no man deceive you. And that's repeated over and over and over in the New Testament. And it may be in different terminology, but still the same thing. Be wary of the devil and his wiles, but don't be, don't be a part of them. Goodness, losing my breath. Take heed. Steadfast. Steadfast means once you've found yourself in a position that you've decided to take, which is a position of following the following God, following Christ, 
following in his footsteps, doing what he did. As John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, I think, you know, we should walk as he walked. Boy, that gets you in a lot of trouble when you talk to people with their OSAS ideas. Once saved, always saved, eternal security. Do whatever you want. You can't lose your security. You're in, you're out, nothing's going to happen to you. Now, I believe in eternal security for those who are saved because you understand what has been done for you. And you don't want to sully the name of Christ because when we do, when we go out and we do these things that the world can see and the world's watching you to see how you're going to fail, how you're going to fall, how you're going to stumble. You know, they see it, and they remember it and use it against you. Or they they hype up something and do it anyway. So you have to watch your temper for, for one thing. Being steadfast means just that. I want you to break it down. Steadfast. <laughs> you have sunk your feet into the soil of your little spot there, which is in Jesus, and that's where you're going to be. You're going to defend him, and you're going to stay fast, and you're going to stay solid for Christ. Mm. Like I say, these things do. They just blow a big hole in the idea of just loping along with no thought of why we're here. Just, hey, you know, I'm just here doing my time. You know, Lord will take me home someday. The mind of Christ. Paul writes about that in Romans. And it's in other places along the way in the, in the Bible. Having the mind of Christ. What does that really mean? That means you wash your mind out of all the junk that the, the mind of man, the mind of Tom or the mind of John or Joe or Harry. And you stand against the things that make God look bad. I don't care if they're in a pulpit or on a, or on a street corner or in politics. There ain't much we can do about the politicians except vote them out. But we can also be vocal about their heresies. Let's look at a few of those, you know, as you, as we were, we're really trying to do is talk about the times that we live being somewhat the last days. Let's look at Luke 17, Luke 17. I love Matthew 24. I think, you know, Mark 13, Luke 21. This is Luke 17, I think. Yeah. A couple of verses to look at. Luke says, And as it was in the days of Noah, which means Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. What's that mean? What was going on in the days of Noah? Read, read Genesis 6 and you'll know. There were a lot of things. Men's hearts were wicked all the time. All the time. That's what it says, basically, in pure English. 
they went about eating and drinking and marrying until Noah went into the ark and the, and the Lord shut the door. What is he saying? Lord shut the door. Read the parable of the 10 virgins. The Lord shuts the door on the five who went to get their uh, get, went to get oil for their lamps. Five that had them were in there with him. They went into the marriage supper or the, with the bridegroom and he shut the door. A lot of parallels you can find. But another thing that's going on is transhumanism was happening. There was, you know, this mingling of angels and man and all that kind of thing. However it happens, you can believe what you want. But it says the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and bore, you know, sons to them or children. And they were giants. They were not normal. Let's put it that way. And there's a big teaching you can do on. You can look that up, uh, check out guys like Steve Quayle, and and even even I've done some. But you know, there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, some of it gets really deep. You gotta you gotta tread into that water real easily. You know, don't don't just jump in, <laughs> stick your toe in, and get get wet a little bit first, and go it a little bit at a time. But what did he say in, in verse 26? That was verse 26 in the days of Noah. They did eat, they drank, and married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, we've covered that enough. Right next one, verse 28 in Luke 17. Likewise, also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they did drink. They bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his shirt, or his stuff in the house, sorry, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Verse 32, three words. Remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. What did she do? She turned around. She went. She, she was so enraptured with Sodom that she had to turn back and look and turned her into a pillar of salt. They say that it lasts until this day. I don't know. <laughs> Not been there to see if, if she's still there. That's the Bible talking in Genesis. Remember Lot's wife. What is he saying that for? Why is Jesus, it's words of red, red that, that, that Jesus spoke. Remember, why does he say that? What does that mean? That means you're, you're not supposed to get, once you get your eyes on the prize, which is out of Sodom. Now, I'm not saying that you were a Sodomite at any time, but we live amongst them. There's a lot of that stuff goes on. It's disturbing and disgusting. And I have a thing one day I may play if it doesn't get taken off of YouTube. It's very disturbing about what these people have promoted and said they are going to do. They're coming for your children. They want to turn them and make them more tolerant to the homosexual lifestyle. 
And that's basically the days of Sodom, the days of Lot, dealt a lot with these kind of men. They came in, they wanted to take the angels that God sent to get Lot and his family out. They wanted to take them out and have their way with them. That's disgusting, but it's the Bible. And so it is now. Sodomites running around in our streets wearing nothing practically and all kinds of garish displays of disgust. But not just that. It says in Jude that they went after strange flesh. It's another one of those statements that makes you kind of say, whoops, (laughs) what does that really mean? Okay, let's get ready to wrap this thing up. Revelation 22. Two. Getting right there to the back of the book, right? Revelation 22. You got to love Revelation. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, you don't need to read that. It's not for you. It is. It's, it's for everybody. Why is it that people fear the, the revelation of Jesus Christ? It says, this is the, the, he who reads this book, has a special gift, a, 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 a crown even, or whatever. Revelation 22 and verse 7, Behold, it's one of those words again, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is he who keeps the sayings and the prophecy of this book. If you shun this book, you ha- you're losing a blessing. It's the words of Jesus himself. Are you ready to to account for why you shunned his word in any form, in any way? Those guys that run around and say, oh, the Old Testament, we need to unhook from it. We need to stay away. Or they say, we're a New Testament church. The Old Testament's, you know, just there for whatever. It's there for you to read. It's there for you to, Paul said these things were there for examples, examples for us to follow. Or no, well, let me rephrase that. Okay, I don't want to be confusing people. They're there for examples for you not to fall into. See, even I can tongue-tie myself a little bit. Second Peter 3, 2 Peter 3, verse 12. There's people that will tell you, we, aren't, we shouldn't really look for the, forward to the day of the Lord you know, because Amos or somebody says it's going to be dark and black and death and destruction. Yes, it is, if you're not saved. If you are, guess what? You're on a horse riding behind the Lord. That's what it says. No, we don't want to see anyone perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He says that. In the same book of Peter. But we know th- that many will because the Bible tells us. We I don't know if we've done our many and few. Have we, Otis? Oh, he's sleeping. We haven't done our many and few uh, study, which is very good one to do. Even you, you do it on your own, and maybe one day when I do it, you'll, be, you'll have that fresh in your mind. It says... 
about the, the broad road, many will find it, but few will find the straight gate and the narrow path. And I venture to say that some won't even stay on it. They'll jump over and grab the broad road and take off. Even John Bunyan, a Calvinist, believed you could lose it all the way up to the door of heaven. Just saying. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to end by saying a few things like I just said. We're in the end days, and we should look forward to the coming of the Lord. I do look forward to the coming of the Lord. As things get hotter and hotter here on earth, and literally hotter and hotter in places, you know, 116 degrees in Portland, this last June, I think it was. But it's getting hotter in the climate of the of the politics and uh, and the uh, the uh, totalitarianism and all the other things that are going on. Things are heating up. Don't be the frog that can't feel the hot water. Jump out. Jump out, folks, and get in there with the Lord. Get in there and understand that He is here to help you through it. And he will all the way. You may get hungry. You may lose everything you have. We, we're coming to some stuff like that. I, agree, I, I honestly believe that. And in the next podcast, perhaps, we'll talk about that. I lost my voice. Anyway, Second Peter 3, verse 12. I've used this before. I'll use it again and again. Looking for and hasting. That means waiting. Just earnest desiring unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness he's going to wipe this whole place out he's going to burn it all to the ground he's going to just completely annihilate it and then build something perfect where only righteousness only righteousness folks can endure pretty awesome stuff isn't it don't fear the day of the lord the only thing we had to fear is those of us around us that are lost that we love so much and we they're 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 fighting it they don't want to get in they're ah you know i want to live my life whatever pray for them Stay steadfast where you are. Don't let anybody take your eyes off Christ. Keep your eyes on him and follow him daily. This is Tom Richard of August 10th, removing confusion. I hope I never confuse you. Stay with me. Ask me questions if you have any. Good day. <laughs>